Hi, folks. Steve Urban here, founder and CEO at recruiting firm RiderFlex. If you enjoyed today's guest interview, please give it a like and be sure to subscribe to the RiderFlex podcast. And now, a quick word from our sponsor. Try the number one marketing platform for small business. Everything you need from design to marketing to CRM. Learn more at marketing360.com. Marketing 360, fuel your brand. Aaron Statchel on the RiderFlex podcast. Hi, Aaron. How are you? Doing great. Thanks for having me. I like that background you got. Yeah, That's it's down, down the street and then in the neighborhood here. Oh, okay. It looks like a real green screen too, not just the not just the background. <laughs> yeah, Zoom's getting better at that, I guess. Uh, yes. <laughs> I like your haircut too, man. Now, is that long for you? Is that a little long for you, or is that short for you? What is that? This is uh, this is fairly freshly uh, freshly okay. trimmed here. Okay. Is that a one, or is that just the go? Where do you go all the way down, or what are you doing there? I, I, I keep it pretty simple. I go one beard and head, you know, I can kind of knock the whole thing out in about five <laughs> minutes. It's pretty, pretty nice. <laughs> uh, I, you know what? I love it. I shaved my head down in, uh, I think it was, uh, Oh three or something like that. And I never went back. I just like, this is the greatest thing ever. <laughs> yeah. It's definitely, uh, it's easy. Easy That's for sure. Easy, fast. I love it. Right. Plus, yeah, you you can wear a cap and you you know you take your cap off and it's all good. Yeah, yeah exactly. Can't mess this hair up. Remember, remember in high school, right? You'd you put a cap on and then you take the cap off after a couple of hours. You're like, oh man, now how do I got to refix my hair? At least, <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> hey, hey, tell tell the listeners about Aaron the person. Uh, I'd like to know early life, uh, family. Um, things like that, if you don't mind, before we get into career and business. Yeah, yeah, happy to. So I, I grew up in Michigan in a, a small town just south of Detroit. It's actually a little island called Grosseal. Oh. Yeah, I lived in the, the – it was a great small town to grow up in, um, kind of, you know, the kind of place where, you, you know, there's one, one middle school, one high school. So yeah. you know, a lot of people I met in elementary school were friends kind of – you know, all the way through my childhood, which is cool. I, I still keep in touch That's with good. some of those folks. And um, so I left, uh, I left home at 18. I went to West Point for my undergrad. And so congratulations, man. Congratulations. Getting into West Point. Thank That's you. a big deal. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a great, place people say it's a great place to be from but not a great place to be because it's a it's a bit of a challenging maybe less fun college environment than most people have (laughs) yeah but uh Uh. um, so for there you know you end up going into the army so i spent 10 years uh in the army after that uh my wife was actually uh, a west point classmate of mine we were both stationed in korea earlier in our careers and, and so we met over there and um and then came to, to beautiful Colorado where I, where I live today. We got stationed here at first. So I was here first in the army and then, uh, and then kind of left the military and, and started my, my second career here. But, uh, you know, since then my, my wife and I have had four kids. Um, wow. we had two and then we had twins. So four was oh. never really in the, uh, in the <laughs> plan, but we ended up there with a, with a bonus kid. Uh, how many uh, girls and boys in there? What's the mix? So we went boy, girl, and then we have boy, girl, twins. So it's really, it's a neat, uh, and I didn't realize this till afterwards, but somebody said, that's what I always wanted because it's the smallest number of kids you can have and have, everybody has a brother and everybody has a sister at least. (laughs) And so it it, it creates all sorts of neat ways for them to kind of pair off boys and girls, older, younger. Yeah. There's two that have similar personalities and, and others, you know, so they end up doing kind of the same things when they get sick of each other and start fighting, there's usually another combination that is working better in the moment. How old are they? So 10, seven, and then the twins are five. Okay. Well, it's, it's busy at your house. Yeah. We're just kind of emerging out of the, uh, well, I'd say, you know, the first couple of years of the twins were, uh, pretty brutal (laughs) from just, uh, you know, we felt like we were, just trying to survive those couple uh, of years and keep our heads uh, above water. And then, uh, 
then we really started to kind of like enjoy the 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 fun side of having a big a big family and, and we're yes. kind of getting to that point now where we can actually go to a restaurant with everybody and it's not like you know super painful <laughs> experience that we regret you know <laughs> uh that's so interesting now i had four kids as well but they're all grown but i will tell you now that i'm an old curmudgeon you know, if I see a family walking in with four little kids, I'm like, I'm always like, please don't set them over here by me. <laughs> yeah. So you had, you had four on purpose or do you have a set of twins in there? Uh, no, that was on purpose. Yeah. Yeah. But they're all they're all grown. Um, I want to go back just a tad. When you were growing up uh, in the small town. Now, was your dad in the service or your mom? Or was there was there a history with the service in your family? Not in my immediate family, but okay. um you know, my, my mom's brother was in was in Vietnam and her dad was actually uh, in World War Two. He was a okay. he was on a an airplane crew. He actually got shot down and spent a couple of years in a prison camp over Ooh. there. Um, you know, his dad was you know, he was in the army, but on like the German side before they left <laughs> left Europe okay. and came to uh, America. Okay. So, wow. All right. So little history there. And did you. All right. So in high school, then. Were you like straight A, I got my shit together, I never do anything wrong, I'm going to West Point, or was there a rebel period and then swing back over to I'm going to do all the right things? I'm just curious at what kind of kids you were before West Point. Yeah, so I, I was a good student um, and, you know, I was I was really serious about school and athletics, but, you know, me and my my friends, you know, were all all that way for the most part. We were very much like a work hard play hard crew so okay um you know my wife jokes when we tell high school stories she's you know she's like i didn't really like my high school much but my husband's high school is like those high school movies when they have these huge parties and stuff so i kind of <laughs> was like uh both uh both dials both. turned up all the way yeah okay very good now athletics you were you like a three-star four-year starter type guy what would you play yeah, so I played football and wrestling. I was like the smallest guy in the football team, so nothing, uh, nothing to brag about there. Uh, but all my friends played, so I did too. And I, I loved the sport, but uh, was never very good at it. And, and wrestling, uh, yeah, wrestling, yeah. Wrestling was more of my uh, the thing that I was I was really good at, and I, I went to state in that several years in high school, and I wrestled in college for a little bit as well. Oh, really? And, oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Um, I have a high degree of respect for wrestlers, um, primarily because both of my sons were wrestlers in high school and went to state and stuff like that. And so I know I know what kind of dedication it takes for them and the parents. <laughs> yeah. 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 My mom especially spent a lot of hours uh, at weekend wrestling tournaments, filming my matches, and bringing snacks and all that kind of stuff. Tons of hours in the gym, uh, tons of hours in the gym, you know? Yeah. I invested a lot of that. So I have a high degree of respect and wrestlers are a special breed. Uh, you know, football practice is easy compared to wrestling, right? I mean, come on. <laughs> uh, um, let me ask this then was uh, your dad, what'd your dad do? So my dad was a uh, he was a carpenter. So he, you okay. know, he, he did kind of landscaping and decks and patios and stuff in the summer and and some remodeling uh, and furniture making in the winter. And you know, I, okay. I spent most of my summers from about you know middle school through high school, you know, working for him, pushing okay. a wheelbarrow and digging p p post holes for decks and stuff like that. Um, and are you? Is he still alive? Your parents still married? Still alive? What's the status? No, they got divorced when I was in high school. My dad has passed away, but uh, my mom still lives in the town where I, I grew up, still in the, the same house. Okay. Does she remarry? Yeah, she did, and then she didn't, and she's uh, she's a single lady. Now again. <laughs> uh, okay. And you and your dad uh, were you super tight? Was it was there were you was there any like uh, you know uh, was there any stress between the relationship there, or was it was it good? No, it was good. My dad was a pretty low-key guy, and I, I think that's something I inherited from him. I have a very, I would say, calm demeanor. My dad was like a very, very laid-back oh. individual. Um, okay. okay. And, uh, yeah, we had a great, you know, great childhood 
you know, fun, fun memories. I, the reason I asked that question is because, um, you know, when I see a West Point graduate, I kind of automatically assume like, oh man, they must have had pretty, pretty tough driven parents to get the kid to that point. That's why I asked that question. Um, uh, yeah, I think yeah, I, I, two of my high school friends that, uh, that I grew up with and I, I still see for kind of guys weekends semi-regularly. It's, uh, you know, we, we grew up in this small town and because it was an Island, um, you really couldn't get in too much trouble. You know, it was a very safe place to grow up. And uh, because okay. of that, I think we all had like a lot of, you know, a very long leash from our parents um, okay. because they kind of trusted that we would be okay. And so I think we had like a lot of sort of leeway to to kind of feel confident about like what we wanted to do and to go, you know, so I have a lot of friends that are doing really cool, cool things now. Uh, some of these parents that suffocate their kids and try to control them too much, it, it backfires a lot of times. I mean, not every time, but it does. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think at the, at the end of the day, you kind of, if you don't want to do what you're doing, then you're going to be a very unhappy person. And, and my okay. parents never pushed me to do something that I, they thought I should do. It was more of, they supported me in what I wanted to do and kind of that, that ended up, I think working out well for me. Did you now getting into West Point is super tough. So obviously you had excellent grades. Did, did, did your dad know somebody too? Like, was there a favor called in? Was there like a, a, an old no. family friend or how, how, I was just wondered, you know, I, there's so many people try to get in. I'm just curious if there was anything extra in there. No, I, I had, uh, you know, again, I think I had the grades and the athletics, I think helped me a lot. Okay. Um, and then, um, you know, it is a dual application. So you, you apply to the school and then you apply to, you've got to get a, a senator or a member of the House of Representatives to also right. sort of nominate you because, you know, okay. they take people from every state. So there's only so many slots per state and it's based on that, you know, basically the, the representation model. And I so, see. you know, I just went through all that and the applications and the, the interviews and and got did, you have to, did you have to go to the senator's office and say like, hey, man, look, I'm your guy. I'm your guy. <laughs> yeah, they, they actually have like a panel of, you know, people who went there kind of uh, interview. I don't think I uh, interviewed with any of them, but they have, you know, they recruit people in their their local uh, areas to sort of do those interviews for them and help them figure out who the you know who they should send. I didn't know that. Okay, very good. All right. So now, did you know your wife at West Point, or you found you met her in Korea and found out she was a West Point graduate? I want to make sure. Yeah. I got that so right. we were in the same class, and so we okay. knew each other kind of enough to say hello. Uh, were you we like? Were you like? Oh man, I, was it? Were you like? I, I think I, there was a like. Was there a vibe? You're thinking, man, I want to, I want to, I want to go out on a date with her. Was there any? Any energy there when you were going to yeah. school together? Yeah, it was definitely. Okay. Well, not at school, I would say. Like, we were both dating other people at I the see. time. I and see. so, um, yeah, it was okay. just sort of a sort of happenstance. I think I had only been in Korea for like two days, and we drove up to Seoul to go out, and, and there she was. And then you're like, hey, hey, what's up, Mary? Oh, what's your wife's <laughs> name? What's your wife's name? Becca. Becca, you woke up. Yeah, well, Becca, what's up? Hey, we were in the same class. You had the cool and now we're stationed over here. Okay, very good. All right, all right. And then, uh, and you've been married for how long? Uh, 17 years. Wow. You don't look that old, man. When I was looking at you, you look good for your age. I was looking at your profile and I'm like, damn, look at all this stuff he's done. And he looks, he looks young. You look like you're 32 <laughs> or something. How old are you? Well, th thank you. I am uh, 45. Yeah, you don't look it. You don't look it. You look Appreciate good. I, and I'm guessing you're still in great shape being a West Point graduate. You probably get up every morning, do your stuff. I'm guessing. Yeah. That's like the wrestling thing too. I think, uh, you know, no stranger to hard workouts and that's something right. that's kind of stuck with me. And I, I still like, if I eat some terrible, terrible food, I still have that like guilt, uh, of <laughs> you know, the wrestler in me is like, you shouldn't be eating that. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, that is so funny. Uh, last thing I'll mention on that before we get into the career stuff here. Uh, yeah. My sons who are, uh, 30 ish now still to this day, they are very careful about what they eat. No sodas They're you know, they, they're very conscious about how much water intake they have. And, yeah. 
And the other funny thing is every Thanksgiving, they always bring it up. They're like, yeah, we could never eat at Thanksgiving because we always had that one tournament. <laughs> yeah, so la, la, la. Middle of the season. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, appreciate you sharing all that with me, Aaron. Thank you. It's good to, you know, just get a nice picture of who you are, you know, as a person and a family man. So thank you very much. Um, yeah, my pleasure. Before we get into First Mile Ventures, which is where you're at now, Give me a, you don't have to go through every stage of the career, but just kind of give me a little bit of a career overview before first mile, if you don't mind. Yeah. So as I mentioned, I spent 10 years in the army. I was a helicopter pilot and an army officer. And so I kind of moved through kind of several positions there, several duty stations. Uh, I had a couple of deployments to Iraq in the middle of that. Um, and I ended up getting stationed here in Colorado and, yeah, I got out of the army in 2009 after 10 years, and I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do yet. Um, mm. I mean, I majored in econ as an undergrad, and I, I had always been interested in investing and finance, and um, you know, that was just always interesting to me. From like a mostly like followed stocks and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, as I was getting out of the, the military, you know, the economy was pretty terrible back in 2009. And, yeah. uh, you know, hunkering down in business school seemed like the right thing to do. Uh, so it gave me a little bit of a nice transition period to kind of get exposure to, um, you know, the business education as well as I spent a lot of my free time as a summer intern and part-time employee working for startup companies, which... Okay. Um, you know, I, I had no, I knew somebody who was running kind of a startup incubator and working with a bunch of companies and said, you should intern here this summer because you'll get a lot of exposure to different companies and work on a lot of different things. And it'll help you kind of focus your studies and think about what you want to do. And, and I kind of caught the startup bug um, That's how, when okay. I was doing that. You know, I really liked the idea. So I was a little bit older than like my typical business school classmate because I had spent 10 years doing something else where that's, it made me kind of like the old guy in my business school class. Um, you know, most people were in their mid twenties. And um, so I really liked the idea of kind of jumping into a small, fast growing company and, and growing fast with it in, a, in my second career. Um, gotcha. I, I felt like at that awkward age, we're like, I really need to catch up fast to, you know, the okay. people who had gotten out of the military earlier than I did. Neither, and, but, then, um, but then you but then you found out you probably had more people skills and worldly experience than a lot of these young folks running uh, early stage companies. <laughs> yeah, the military is interesting because they throw you know a lot of responsibility at you yes. Um, yes. at a very young age that I think a lot of your peers in the business world don't get. Um, yes. And so that was um, definitely something unique I had. Yeah, the leadership stuff didn't really come naturally to me. It, you know, it was no. something I really had to, to work really? on. And, really? Um, okay. You know, and, right. and, and so when I, you know, left business school, I ended up taking a job at a really big company. And I was doing like st- strategic finance, like M&A, invest relations work there. And, uh, you know, I was learning some interesting stuff, but I wasn't really excited about the industry or the company I was working at. I really wanted to get back to like the small, fast growing companies that I was working with uh, while I was in business school. It's addicting. So it's addicting, isn't it? You get the bug, you get the little startup yeah. bug and it's uh, it does something to you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. And so I, you know, I was working at the big company, um, but I, I started putting out feelers and saying, okay. you know, keep your eyes open for me. I'm looking for some sort of finance ops role in a small, fast growing company. I had nothing. I had no great idea or some problem I was super passionate about to go okay. solve. You know, I had no desire to start my own startup, uh, but I really wanted to jump on, you know, on board with somebody else who had figured that out. And kind of through that process, I mar- I met my partner, Bill, who um, he's an entrepreneur. He had founded a company in the late 90s called Storage Networks that was really one of the very first cloud storage companies that ever existed. And he wow, took okay. that public in 2000. And um, you know, since then, he had been doing a lot of angel investing, personal investing. And you know, he was thinking out loud about you know, I'd really like to grow this into a firm, but I need somebody to help me. And, okay. you know, one of those people is somebody I was reaching out to looking for a job. And he said, 
well, I don't have a job for you, but let me connect you with Bill because I think you'd be great for what he's trying to build. And I see. And I had been I had yeah. been interested in venture capital, but you know, the industry, especially in Colorado, was much smaller then and True. Um, there weren't really you know any entry level roles to be had, you know, and, and we had kind of decided when we left the military, my wife was practicing law by then and took the bar in Colorado when we loved it here. We love the outdoors. And so we kind of said, we're going to stay here and we'll figure out the career stuff. And, um, and so I, I didn't really have any desire to move and I probably wouldn't have been super competitive and, you know, trying to go join a firm in the Bay area or something. Um, and so, you know, I ended up stumbling into the opportunity in the end. Um, and so I, when I had the chance to go, you know, help Bill build a firm, I, I jumped at it. That's great. I appreciate you sharing that with me. By the way, for the listeners, First Mile Ventures, and it's firstmilevc.com, firstmilevc.com. Uh, also, Aaron, of course, is on LinkedIn, Aaron Statchel on LinkedIn. You can find him there, partner at First Mile Ventures. So, the first mile ventures that brand started with you and Bill. He was it was he wasn't doing that brand by himself. That you were there from the beginning. Yeah, he actually had a small fund. It was kind of a friends and family fund, and he was investing in local companies. Okay, but it was a little bit different approach, a different strategy than what we're doing now. So when I, I joined him, he was kind of at the tail end of that. Okay. Um, but I was kind of like employee number one and like the only employee ever since that, uh, it's still just the two of us. Okay. Um, okay. But I helped and, uh, him with some personal stuff at first. And then we, we raised a fund that we launched in 2015. Uh, it was kind of under the old brand, but we eventually rebranded the first mile that was more kind of, uh, spoke more to kind of what we're doing. Yeah. You know, Cause and we're a early uh, stage investor. Yeah, why don't you give that overview if you don't mind? Give us the give us the the three minute. Uh, it's so funny, right? You you listen to pitches every day, right? You see pitches every day, and now I'm going to ask you to pitch first mile. <laughs> tell the listeners yeah. a, tell the listeners a little bit about give give the first mile ventures overview. Go for it. Yeah, happy to. So we are a uh, pre seed and seed investor, and so for us, that typically means a company has built something, but they probably haven't started selling it yet. Yeah, okay. so we we're often doing pre-revenue companies, so very early, um, usually just a handful of people with some laptops, um, okay. and then on the back end, you know, uh, somebody who's, you know, got a product in market, you know, they just kind of closed their first few customers, um, but they need another twelve to eighteen months of runway so that they can go prove, you know, more meaningful uptake in the market, you know, show some evidence of a repeatable sales process that allows them to go get you know, a larger round of capital done um, so that they can go, you know, really build some infrastructure to go scale. Um, okay. So we're, you know, investing in that phase where they're proving, you know, we've got the right product, the market wants it, you know, we've shown enough to, you know, that we can uh, prove that there's an opportunity here to really build a big, fast growing company. Can you speak? Um, so, can you speak to any of the firms you've in, or any of the companies you've invested in? And can you speak to the size of the fund at all? I don't know what you can share. Yeah, yeah, happy to. Uh, that's public public info. So we have, you know, if you look at the website that we just mentioned, we've invested in um, with thirty one companies in our first fund. Um, okay. We've done twenty four already in our second fund. Ah. Um, the current fund is a twenty three million dollar fund. So we make investments um, yeah. usually in the kind of five to eight hundred thousand dollar range. Right. Um, most of the companies are raising somewhere between, you know, seven hundred fifty thousand to two million is kind of our our sweet spot. Um, okay. And we really want to be part of that first round of of you know with a professional investor in it. You know, sometimes mm -hmm. they've kind of they've had a little money themselves from a pre from previous success or they, they get a, a, a friends and family round together that helps them get off the ground. But mm -hmm. we're usually, you know, right, right behind that. Okay. Very good. 50 now, something. I will say, well, go ahead. yeah, like there's, we're a, a generalist firm, meaning like we'll, okay. we'll look at all sorts of companies, but they tend to be B2B software companies. And oh, so, you know, right. within that we will do, um, you know, financial, human resources, legal, you know, mm -hmm. vertical SaaS focused on a specific industry. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we tend to um, do software investments. We have a, a handful of exceptions outside of that. Um, okay. But uh, kind of B2B software is our, our bread and butter. You mentioned 50 something companies with the first and second fund. I mean, is that that's a lot to manage for just two people, isn't it? I, or maybe not. Or is that normal? Yeah, it's, um, you know, given how early we invest, we need to have enough diversification. Um, you know, the companies are so right. early, there's a, a very high risk of, I see. of failure. So um, it does mean that it kind of puts a cap on how much time you can spend with each company. And mm. we kind of, there's a spectrum there, you know, and some companies, we were the biggest check. We're the lead investor. We're maybe taking a board seat and we're more involved in kind of strategic decisions and discussions. Mm-hmm. Uh, in other cases where, you know, maybe the round was bigger, we're a smaller check. Uh, we didn't lead the round. Uh, you know, the, the founders may still lean on us for certain mm-hmm. things, but mm-hmm. you know, they, they're probably leaning more so on their lead investor and board member. And so it, it tends to work itself out where, Okay. Um, you know, we, we are able to kind of operate across that, that portfolio. And, you know, again, we, we try to be most involved as the name first mile implies, we want to get them to that, that first big round of funding. And from there we tend to step back. So when things are going well, we're getting them to that next place, you know, and then we're backing off, um, and you know, that next group of investors is, is taking a more active role. Does backing off ever mean getting your payout and leaving it all together, exiting, or you're you're usually in for the long haul there uh, through like an IPO or something? Yeah, that's the goal. I mean, we invest really early in things that we think have really big potential. And okay. So for, for and you know and those things that work out and achieve that big outcome are pretty rare. So when we got something that's really working, we kind of need to eke out all of the upside we can get. Okay. Are you looking for certain metrics necessarily? I guess you're so early that a lot of times there's not metrics, right? So you're, it's more, it's more about the idea and the people and and the potential, I guess, but are there any metrics you're looking for or to qualify for somebody listening to this episode? If they want to contact you, is there a, is there a list of specifics that you're looking for necessarily? Yeah, I wouldn't say metrics per se, because like you said, there's just not not much yeah. to look at in the data. Yeah. So if there is any data, it's so thin, it's hard to extrapolate <laughs> it out to yeah. anything. Right. So it is a much more, um, you know, qualitative exercise than quantitative. Um, but we are, you know, we are like really trying to get our heads around, is it a big enough opportunity? And so... Okay. Um, you know, for us to get, you know, for you to create a really big, you know, company, uh, is the market there to support that? And and sometimes the market isn't there today, but, you know, it's in a sector that you believe five years from now, 10 years from now, this, this thing is going to be, you know, much bigger and much more important in the future than it is today. And so, so sometimes you're, you're banking on a, a market opportunity growing or, you know, a new solution, in the market expanding kind of who can access that kind of solution and growing the the scope of the market. And so we are trying to get our heads around the, the market, okay. you know, opportunity size. And then mm-hmm. I would say we're also really trying to dig in, uh, you know, again, this isn't a metric, but we're spending a lot of time trying to understand, is this an important problem? You know, like, are, do people care mm-hmm. enough mm-hmm. about this to spend time and money to solve mm-hmm. it? Or is mm-hmm. it, you know, number six on the priority list and it just never kind of makes it to the top because, you know, there's always something else more important. Uh, you know, so we, we need something to be a, a pain point where when people see it, it's like, well, if it can do what you say it can do, I want it, you know, sign me up. Like, we need to kind of get that kind of market feedback um, to make us believe that even if they haven't started selling something yet, that, you know, they, they haven't built something that nobody wants. Right. You know, we try and yeah. take, take yeah. the risk out of the picture that they, you know, they, they spend all this time and money build building this product and then they take it to market and no, nobody actually wants it <laughs> enough to, to pay for it. Now, what about the startups that are just building a better mousetrap? It's not a brand new idea. It's not a, 
it's not a you know i mean can you imagine uh what was the guy that started uh, starbucks like uh i can't see right. his, his, yeah yeah i mean can you imagine he's yeah. like hey i'm gonna start i'm gonna start a coffee company and the investors are like what okay well there's you know <laughs> yeah those are uh those are tough you know there, there's some really big success stories i mean we're sitting here talking on zoom and yeah you know when zoom launched you know there was all sorts of paid solutions like citrix and go to meeting and yes you know, there was free stuff out there and um you know and I, I it's a fun exercise to sort of put yourself you know imagine yourself being in that pitch you know right. five years Oof. ago or whenever it was Oof. and say right you know, oh, i'm going to build a new video conferencing company you know pre-covid <laughs> you know lots of competitive solutions it's like yeah does does anybody need another one you know is that right. you know it feels like a really competitive thing and so um you know they, I think it's a they wouldn't have made it past you. yourself you know they they why, wouldn't have made it past why you. was yeah. yeah you really need to and there's some things that you just won't you know as an investor you just won't get it um right right and yeah. you know you're you're not going to get in all the the great deals sometimes because you know, you just aren't excited about it and you don't understand. Well, it's like, oh, who cares? Who needs another video conferencing app? And then right. lo and behold, it's one of the biggest success stories. Um, so I, I try and like reflect on that. Like what what questions would I, should I have, if I was in that room, what questions should I have asked Agreed. to understand why that is such a big opportunity? Um, yeah. And the reason I took you down that that road is because, you know, I've interviewed so many people on the RiderFlex podcast, many of them from VC and PE firms. And they all, the, most of them are always like, I'm looking for that game changing, everybody needs it, brand new idea. And I always think to myself, yeah, I understand. But what about the better mousetrap guys like Zoom and all these, <laughs> uh, like, what about those guys, you know? And so that's yeah. why I ask you that. Um um, you, I would assume that because you're so early in the investment, it's, it's along with the ability to read the market and see the vision and look into the future and go, man, is this going to be big along with that, your ability and need to read people and have judgment on people and their personalities and whether or not they can work together and their work ethic and, is this person going to be an asshole? And is this like your, your, your EQ, so to speak, right? Your emotional intelligence has to be super high so that you're reading the, reading the room correctly with the people at play. Right. Yeah. That's, I mean, the, the people is, is, you know, are extremely important at the phase that we invest because yes. oh you know, the, gosh, there's yes. usually something wrong with the idea and the plan and the product. Good and you point. Need it team that is going to you know be persistent enough to to drive forward but you know smart enough to listen when okay and, you know and self-aware enough to know like my idea was wrong it was kind of right but i need to change it in this way i need to do something different that i'm doing now to, to achieve success and so focusing on you know yeah. people who you think could be great executors is really important and i think that's um you know, something that was hard for me, you know, when I first started this, you know, I had all this great like leadership and management experience in the military. Um, yeah. And I'd seen a lot of people, oh. you know, do well or not do well in really stressful situations. Um, but when I became a VC, it was like, I'd take all these pitches and I'm like, man, if I only understood the t technology world better, I would know if these were good investments or not. Yeah. And eventually yeah. like the light bulb went off after, I don't know how many times like trying to research, you know, try to learn everything about everything, which is, is just not yeah. humanly possible. Um, it's like, well, if they can't communicate to me <laughs> in a 30 minute phone call, you know, why this is such a big opportunity, oh. why it's so different, why other, you know, the, the incumbent players can't pivot and copy us because of this old architecture and, that opens up this path and it's going to be hard for anybody to, it's like somebody who can't communicate why this is a huge opportunity, why they've got the right kind of plan and approach to solve it. Uh, if they can't convince me of that, you know, then it's probably yep. not, yep. you know, they're I, probably not the right people to go do this deal because, <laughs> you know, I learned it's like the, the people who can not only convince an investor to, to, you know, put money into the company. It's like that same set of skills is the skills to, convince a, a big company to like 
use a startup's product. You know, it's yes. like, you know, it's the same skill to, you know, recruit great people and say, yes. I know you've got this great job. I've got this little startup with no customers. I want you to quit your job, come work for, for us and, you know, build this huge. For low know, pay, for low pay yeah. and an equity and for an equity package and low pay. <laughs> yeah. And so like, if you can't communicate this yeah. big, important envision and how you're going to be successful, I mean, that, Yes. It's really a, a foundational skill for an entrepreneur, I think. Absolutely agree. By the way, even after they get started, sometimes it, not only can they not communicate clearly what they're trying to do, then they put up a website and you read the website three, four times. And you're like, okay, now what is it? What is it they do again? <laughs> I, I can't, <laughs> I can't tell you how many times as a recruiting firm, right? So right, our day job at Riderflex, we're a recruiting firm, right? And so, my partner and I, my co-founder, whether we're getting ready to visit with a client or somebody's calling us about the podcast, Aaron, I can't tell you how many times one of us will be like, all right, so I've read this website four times and I still don't know what they do. <laughs> <laughs> well, which is, you know, especially as a recruiter, you know, and that's an analogy I've used with, um, you know, founders on their pitch decks. Cause it's like, they want to put everything in there and lay yeah. it all out and 25 slides. And this is important information here. And this is important information there. Right. But, you know, it's like, I'm like, put yourself in a recruiter's shoes that has, you know, a yeah. hundred resumes. Exactly. They're going to spend, you know, 30 seconds on each one <laughs> triaging, trying to figure out which one is worth, you know, you know, putting right. in for an interview or whatever. And, you know, investors are doing the same thing. They have all of these, pitches coming at them and they kind of those big ideas need to jump off the page yes. right away because nobody has enough time in the day that you know like you don't have time to spend 15 no. minutes no. looking at every resume and really no. kind of understanding you know somebody's life story um, uh, before you make a decision there how many pitches on average i, I you know I, you don't have to have the exact stat but how many pitches do you think you looked at last year over the last 12 months yeah it's uh thousands thousands um, thousands yeah you know, we did 24 investments in that, yeah, in that thousands last of years now okay so is it a um they send you the the, the teaser the short the short teaser first and then maybe you say send me the full pitch and then what do you and then you whittle it down and then you say okay i'm ready for you to to pitch me in person or pitch me on zoom what's their process yeah typically um you know there's some sort of email you know, it's like a lot of investors, um, you know, a lot of investors get criticized for saying, uh, you know, warm intros are preferred because mm. um, it, it creates this perception of like exclusive access. If you don't mm. know the right people, mm. then you can't mm. you can't raise money. Mm. And I, I understand that perception. But I think you if you put yourself into the position of how, what's my best chance of getting a, a good look at this deal? It, you know, if I'm getting, you know, you know, hundreds of pitches coming through my inbox yes, um, and I've got to sort through those really quickly and figure out where, you know, cause I, I don't have enough time in the day. So I gotta, I gotta triage them out, figure out where to spend my time and what ones yep. to zero in on. Yep. Um, where if like a, you know, a trusted colleague uh, who, who knows us and what, a good deal looks like and they've got a great network of people in the technology industry says, Hey, met this team. They're great. You know, I really enjoyed chatting with them. I think they're onto something really big. Um, and I'd, I'd love to introduce them to you. Do you want to take a pitch? It's like already that's just like, yep. that's going to be the first one I respond to. Mm -hmm. Um, because, you know, here's somebody I know and trust telling me, that they've got a great deal to show me. And so that's automatically going to get, get my attention. And so there's, uh, I look at everything that comes in. I yeah. just don't spend a lot yeah. of time on it. Um, yeah. And, but, but normally, so to answer your question, so I, you know, it's not hard to find an intro to me, especially if you're in Colorado, you're probably only a connection away. Yes. Probably. And so I think the best way to get somebody's attention is to, to find a, you know, a path to them. Okay. But that being said, we do look at everything that comes in through the website. All right. And usually we're getting an email, whether it's from a trusted source or not. And we're, we're looking through that and 
it's kind of like, does this sound interesting? If it does, let me, let me look at, you know, the founder's background. Is it relevant to what they're doing? Do they seem well positioned in their industry? Um, And if that like checks out, it's like, maybe it's send me your presentation. Um, I want to look through it, understand the opportunity better. And then it might be, let's schedule a 30 minute intro call where we can get to know each other. Okay. figure out if this is a high level fit. And then usually there's a part, you know, me and my partner will talk. It's like, Hey, this is what came in this week. This is, you know, the, the subset that I think looks interesting. Um, okay. You know, what do you think? Which ones should we kind of focus in on? We, we try and do that first screen. So it's like, which ones do we think we could actually get to a yes on? If the story, if we, the more we learn about it, the more excited we get, uh, which ones do we think we could get to a yes on? Because we don't want to waste our time. We don't want to waste the entrepreneur's yes. time. Do, um, you, do you expect that first, uh, when you say, when you said, send me the presentation, do you expect the first uh, thing they send to be maybe a one page overview or do you want the deck or does it depend? Um, I think both can be effective. Okay. Again, what I'm really looking for, can I, you know, in a few minutes, can I skim through this deck and understand, okay. oh, like this is a big market. Oh, this team looks really well positioned. It's like, All right. oh, there's a competitive landscape on there, but nobody really does it the way that they do it. And that looks like a really clever way to solve this big problem. Like mm. I'm looking to answer those big questions that we just, we just talked about. So that communication, you know, a, a lot of times an investor or an entrepreneur wants to, to be able to to have a conversation before they send the deck. Mm. But again, like the dynamics of um, you know, the volume of things most investors are looking at, a lot of times that they, they need to do a first pass on the deck to decide, like, do you know, I only have so many slots in my calendar per day. Yeah. Let me look at some decks and then I, I might pick a couple to meet with. Um, okay. And so okay. kind of putting your best foot forward on that front well, it seems it can seem superficial. It can be the difference of you know getting the meeting to tell your story or or not. Speaking of putting your best foot forward, I think I also heard you mention in there you're obviously looking up the founders pretty quickly and scanning their backgrounds. I, I would think it would be wise to have your LinkedIn profile pretty solid and up to date if you're. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's um, and sometimes there's like for especially in our world, Crunchbase is a place okay. where you know there's All data right. on the company. So you know, I usually go poke around. It's like, what are, what's out there on the company? Have they raised okay. money before? And, and sometimes it's like, oh, they've already raised like five million dollars. It's like, hey, this isn't a fit for us. We're early investors, and you've I already see. kind of raised more than than we would do. And so you know, I'm I'm doing kind of a very high level screen to figure out is this is this worth taking a meeting or is this, I would take a meeting and say, you know, we're probably not a good fit for each other. And let's, you know, yes. Uh, go, now, go now pre, uh, you know, seed and pre-seed type of investor or type of entrepreneurs looking for cash. These people have to get pretty creative sometimes to get the, the attention of somebody like you. I'm curious, what's the, what's the most interesting uh, thing that's happened where, Somebody's shown up with like a playing band in front of the office, like please, Aaron, please meet with me. Please, like what, anything you want to share? Interesting. Um, I had somebody like Venmo me some like two dollars and said like let's <laughs> you know spend this on coffee and jump on Zoom with me. Um, I mean, hey, okay, hey, you know that, that was creative. one of the more creative things. I don't think it worked though. Okay, um, I think the biggest. Um, commonality of the things that we spend time on is it's you know i'll literally get you know form emails where it's like you know hi and it still says like insert name here where their mail merge thing didn't work you know so i know they're like you know it's obvious they just Uh, sent an email to like a thousand investors on some list that they acquired and it's like if i'm going to send it to a thousand if i can get 10 of them to respond i've got a chance at raising some money but yeah, those are the first ones I, yeah. you know, it's almost yeah. an automatic thanks, but no thanks response because, um, yes. you know, there's just no, no thought into it at all that they actually want to work with me. And so it's the same, um, by the way, for, for all the listeners, it's the same for us recruiters. 
you know, if you're sending us some bullshit cut and paste and non-personal and yeah, I'm just like, come on, man, come on. Uh, yeah. yeah totally so if, you're, if you're, especially if you're reaching out cold, it's like, Hey, you know, I really love your approach. You know, I saw you invested in this company and that company, it's really relevant to what there we're doing in our space. And we're, we're trying yes. to do that, but for this different, you know, adjacent part of the market. And so I think you'd really mm-hmm. have a good perspective and, and it's not like they need to kiss our ass and make us feel yeah. good about it, but it's like, yeah why 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 are you showing this to us and and why are we a good fit uh to invest have you i'm sure it's been a on all the no's um i'm sure it's been a mix of not a good service or product that we think is big enough for the market and then sometimes i'm guessing maybe more often than not it's a decent idea or a decent product but the founders you just don't feel it you don't feel the vibe you don't there's not a good leader. You sense friction between them. They're asshole. Something to do with the people piece, I'm guessing. Yeah, that certainly happens where, um, you know, we talked about that kind of storytelling, that sort of, you know, magnetism quality. Do I think they can attract mm. talent and capital mm. and customers. Mm. And sometimes, you know, you, you'll have a very technical team where it's like, they could like build this amazing product, but there, there's nobody on the team that can actually take it to market. And that right. that's right. a different skill set. And you really yes. ideally have both of those things. Um, yeah. and I, and I, I'd say, you know, we, we probably, if anything, I've learned doing this for a while is like the tech stuff can usually be figured out because if the pain point on the customers is is that strong and it's that important of a problem to solve, they'll deal with a, a half-baked solution because they, they know it's software. It'll get better over time. Uh-huh. Bugs will get fixed. Good, good but point. if this is a really meaningful problem for me to go fix, that's like almost even better than having, you know, a great product. It's like, well, if they'll buy that crappy product, you know, we know this is a huge opportunity. Um, mm. But if you don't have that ability to kind of close those deals and, you know, again, do all that, then that's, that's a challenge. Um, yeah. You know, I, you know, there's like, and again, you do kind of get a feel for people. You know, sometimes you don't get enough time to spend with them. So, you know, maybe it's fair or unfair certain times, but, you know, it's, I, I, I forget who said this first, but it's like, you know, is this somebody where you would quit your job and go work for them? You know, mm. it's like, that's good, good perspective. It's like, you know, is that do I get a feeling where like, you know, I would love it if they were my boss because, mm. you know, that's basically what, you know, you're going to have to find very talented people that are willing to say that. And so I, I think yes. it's, you, you kind of have those conversations. You're like, you know, they are thinking big. I believe they can execute, you know, it's, it's a, you know, it's sometimes it's hard to put your finger on, but you know, little tricks like that. Like, would I want to go work for this person? You know, am I a little bit jealous of, of this team because <laughs> they're doing something really cool uh, and exciting. And I, I'm, you know, I kind of wish I thought of that and I was doing that, you know, that's another, you know, you kind of like, it's that kind of framework. Um, and, you know, sometimes you're not having that many conversations. Uh, so it's not like you're getting that deep, you know, building a deep relationship. Um, Great so way to look at it. Great way to look yeah. at it. Great way to look at it. Uh, has there been uh have you have you had a major exit yet, or you're still too early, or is there any exit? Is there anything you want to share? Any big, huge Super Bowl moments? Yeah, so we we've had our first fund is doing really well. We had, um, you know, we were first. You know, and one of the most things I'm most proud of of our first fund is that the deals that are doing really well. We were like the first check in, the biggest. Okay. Okay. Kind of, you know, took a leap on these teams and these ideas, and so there's a, there's uh, a company in Texas actually called Hedera. It's a um, it's a layer one distributed ledger crypto network, um, and it's you know the 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 companies. It's an enterprise use case focused crypto network, and the okay. the the people running the nodes for this company are. You know, Google, IBM, uh, mm. Nomura Bank of Japan, you know, the biggest bank in Africa, the biggest bank in Singapore. I mean, it's a, mm. it, it's doing really well. Um, and that's been a great investment for us. You know, here locally in Colorado, uh, we were really early investors in Pax8, which is a company that just raised $185 million early this year. It's, you know, five-time five Inc., you know, 5,000 fastest growing company. 
Very list nice. and just Very uh, nice. Very you know, good. becoming an actual, uh, you know, absolute behemoth in their space. That's great. And then uh, have you uh, woke up uh, at some point and got, damn, we should have invested in that company. <laughs> uh, yeah. There's been a couple of those. Oh yeah. And that's, you know, like I said, we, we get so many pitches and some things we're just not going to understand. We, we miss something there. Uh, you know, we didn't believe something about the pitch and yeah, the odds are we're going to miss a bunch of things that, uh, that, you know, end up being really successful. Somebody put it this way to me recently. It's like, you know, if, if, if you're not missing some great deals, you're, probably not seeing enough you know mm-hmm. you're not seeing enough great deals and so i see that, okay. that makes me sleep a little bit better at night when there's something <laughs> that's doing uh really well it's like and we had it had the uh, opportunity but did, didn't do it for whatever reason very good last question and then uh hang on just for a second after we stop recording but the last question yeah. uh, really quick it's kind of backing off of the career stuff and taking it back to a personal level so you've had a great career already. I mean, you've, you've got a beautiful family, got a great education. I mean, you've already accomplished a lot of wonderful things in your life. So congratulations on that. Thank you. At this point now, at your age, kind of moving forward, what is the moving forward core purpose in life for Aaron other than your children and your wife, let's set that right. aside. <laughs> right. What is, what is your, what is your move forward core purpose now? Yeah, that is a, uh, you know, a great, a, a great thing to think about. And I, you know, I'm uh, uh it's definitely something as you get a little bit older and, you know, our, our kids just started school. We have like nephews that just are, you know, and, and nieces, they're like leaving for college the first time. And you kind of, you know, you realize that, you know, you're not going to be here forever and That's things right. go by really fast all yes. of a sudden, you know, and uh, so definitely, you know, really trying to make the most of, of my time here. And I, I would say like on a professional level, I really love what I do, getting involved with these companies really early and seeing some of them, you know, take off like we were just talking about. And I think, mm. you know, looking back, you know, 10, 20 years from now, I think that, you know, the thing that kind of really excites me and I think will be really satisfying professionally is, is to kind of see these companies that it's like, oh, I remember when it was like two guys, you know, with this big <laughs> idea and, uh, you know, we wrote them their first check and now they got a building downtown with their name on it. And nice. Yes. You know, they're employing. Right. Right all these people and providing, you know, them a way to support their families and go, you know, go after their purpose in life and, you know, creating, you know, the cool thing about this business too, is like, you see those people, it's like they become investors and, you know, they, they, they help the next, or, you know, they learned a lot on the way up in a startup and then they leave and say, I'm going to go, I learned how to do this. Now I'm going to go do my own thing. And you can kind of see it, you know, like blossom out from there. And I think, you know, just kind of knowing we were like, I played a small role in the early days of some of that is kind of what, what keeps me excited about what I'm doing. Aaron, thank you very much for being on the show and sharing your story on the Rider Flex podcast. I really appreciate it, sir. Yeah. Enjoy the conversation. Thanks for having me.